0: Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show, I'm Bridget Maloney.
1: And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney, and this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this.
0: Well, welcome everyone. This is episode 42, and we've called this How Long to Wait Between Babies and Why. Hi, Pat.
1: Good morning, everyone. We're back here in the studio recording some more episodes. It feels good.
0: It does feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And this has been asked lots of times on our DMs, so I love it. Like, people are so... Great at spending the time to write us a DM, and I'm going to actually read one.
1: Nice.
0: So I'm going to say this is from Daisy. It's not really, but I like Daisy. Okay, so, hi, Bridget and Dr. Pat. I just wanted to thank you so much for your amazing podcast. I had an elective induction back in March, and I think I listened to your podcast on inductions about 10 times before my actual induction date.
1: Oh, i good got Daisy.
0: It was so informative and made me feel so comfortable and confident going into it. My induction was about 10 hours long, start to finish, and my beautiful baby girl was perfect. Thank you so much again for helping this first-time mum, and I can't wait to continue to learn more before we plan our second baby. Oh, okay. There we go. And I thought that that was a good one to read out because this is kind of all about second and and subsequent babies. Yep. You know, in an ideal world, we'd all like to be planned about when our babies come, but-
1: Doesn't always work that way. And
0: actually, there's about more than half of pregnancies in Australia are unplanned yeah seems high, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah it does. I read that somewhere recently in the context of the debate about whether whether you should have to identify obstetrics as something you want on your private health insurance, oh, uh, yeah. Because we as obstetricians think that it's just it's part of healthcare yes. and getting pregnant is part of healthcare, so you shouldn't have to have special cover for obstetrics. Yeah. Mostly because half pregnancies are unplanned.
0: Unplanned. I read that too. That was in relation to there are some health conditions that you can don't have to wait for the waiting period. Yeah, like-
1: yeah. Yeah, there are a few like some of the funds will say that they'll waive a waiting period on psychiatry. Yeah. Because you couldn't have predicted that you were going to get a psychiatric problem. Well, and we would argue obstetrics is just the same. Most of the time you couldn't have predicted that you were going to become pregnant, yeah, and the waiting time system is inherently unfair.
0: I couldn't actually find out whether that unplanned bit was your first, because I would imagine a lot of people are a little bit more planned for their second and subsequent. Yeah, maybe.
1: Maybe. Maybe, maybe their life circumstances are different, but yeah. not everyone, it's just not possible. Like, we were in a bit of a hurry.
0: <laughs> that's right. Why were we in a hurry, Pat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to fit another baby in before we got too old, so that's part of it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, so we had our third when I was 39 and then six months later I was pregnant with our fourth oh. <laughs> and nobody, like, we thought we'd start trying because it might have taken, you know, a year or something for a 39, 40-year-old to get pregnant. But here we are. Yeah. Um <laughs> And we're going to talk about sort of having that that time gap, but you don't get a choice. Sometimes when you when you're aging, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mm. Um, but I did want to talk about probably the most planned person I've ever come across, and that's my sister. So Maureen, she is a school teacher and so is her husband. And they've got four children, all grown up. In fact, we've got one with us at the moment, staying in this COVID lockdown. It's just delightful. Yeah, four delightful kids, but um, super planned. She had all of them in the school holidays. <laughs> that
1: is fantastic, <laughs> isn't
0: it? Oh dear! But you know, this whole idea about when to have your next baby—we're mm. going to be talking about the physical part of that, the medical part of that. But it's—it's it's big. Yeah,
1: it's big, big and it depends on things like financial considerations, the woman's plan to come in and out of the workforce yeah. or whether she wants to go out of the workforce once and come back in once when yeah. the f- uh, family's finished, the couple's age, mostly the woman's age yeah. and overall desired family size.
0: Yeah. And we just, you know, you don't know how you're going to cope mentally too. From having one, your first, who knows? You know, you may not be mentally able to cope with another baby within a certain frame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, between my first and second, it was about that. Like it was, I couldn't even start to think about having a baby until about that time. Yeah. So two and a half years between um, the first and second, and, and that to me at that time was about right.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to start with a plan, but you might need to experience having one before you can really know whether you want Yes,
0: exactly. More.
1: And, and, you know, it's, it's so complicated. I often, you know, in an infertility or subfertility type, consultation, I'll say to people, how many babies do you want? Mm. And the couple sort of look at each other and they'll invariably say we'd we'll be grateful for one. Yeah. And I said, no, no, th- that's not the question. Forget your fertility issue. Yeah. How many babies do you want in your secret heart? You know, wh- what's your vision?
0: Your desire. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then, we, of course, we work to try and get that vision number. Yeah. But if someone's 22 and wants two babies, well, we've got a much smaller problem than someone who's 38 and wants four. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. You know, you'd have to be pretty planned for that. And and they're tough decisions. Do you ever get that situation where you ask that couple and- uh, A different both- <laughs> answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I could imagine. Mine, when I met you, was zero more yeah. babies, wasn't it? Mm. So,
1: well, but yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yours. So, the yeah, so sometimes the perhaps the woman might be more likely to cough up her dream number. Yes. And the bloke might say, well, have one, see how we go. Yeah, have yeah. one,
0: see how we go. All right, so I want to talk though medically because we could wax lyrical all day on how a family goes, but you know we're here about the medical side of things. So
1: the interpregnancy interval.
0: Yes, is that a term?
1: Oh, well, I think it is. It's in the books. I've never used. Oh, I just used it just then. that, yeah, that was yes. the first time.
0: Yeah, because when I did my research on Google, once again, you love it when I do that. The term interpregnancy interval came up a lot.
1: Yeah, it's obvious what that means. Yeah, I'm not sure it's in everyday clinical use.
0: No, what do you say? Gaps. Just a gap yeah yeah
1: and and people do ask about safe gaps in yeah. pe- it comes up most seriously in the cesarean section discussion because we want to give people some sensible advice about how long it should be between two cesarean sections mm. or between one cesarean section and a subsequent attempt at a vaginal birth and the problem that we've got is that there's really mixed data Yes. about how long that should be.
0: Well, the World Health Organization has a recommendation, doesn't it?
1: I think they say it should be 18 months
0: mm.
1: between the births,
0: mm.
1: at least, not 18, but at least 18, between the births, which would mean that you were- weren't becoming pregnant again for nine months after a cesarean section. Now, for most people, that would be fine because they weren't trying to become pregnant again the first nine months. But it might be relevant to somebody who was already 40, for example.
0: And the thing that I have about the World Health Organization recommendations is it's for the whole world. (laughs) So Uh, we're comparing first world medical systems to third world and I could imagine they're making that also for a third world condition. Yep. So, yeah.
1: So there's a lot of their recommendations uh, for following in developing countries mm. with uh, low levels of healthcare, less money per person spent, and so forth. So we have to factor that into to recommendations made by overarching bodies like that.
0: You talked about cesarean section, but are there other risks if you have your babies too soon? Too close together?
1: Well, let's go through some of them. I mean, one of them, for example, if you wanted to get pregnant again straight away might be, how does that impact on breastfeeding? Yes. So uh, I've looked after several women over the years who have breastfed right throughout the second pregnancy. Yeah. And it's certainly possible for the milk to keep coming. And then they've only really tried to wean the first baby when they had to breastfeed the second baby full time.
0: Mm, Or tandem fed. Yeah. Do
1: you know many tandem feeders? uh, Yeah. It's a I don't know how it works. I mean, it's definitely a thing. It can can definitely be done, but you'd need some spare. Yeah. Yeah. But it would be for the most highly motivated person. But you might be able to, yeah, it's just not wean that first baby completely until the second baby needed all or most of your breast milk, Mm. which can be done by motivated people. But for other people, it's not possible. Like when the new pregnancy comes, the milk will stop.
0: Me, I'm putting my hand up. That's exactly what happened. And I, I remember feeling so devastated because, you know, breastfeeding, I've talked about it before, but my breastfeeding journey hasn't been all that easy, and I've been determined to continue it, even though it was difficult and stressful. However, I managed to get Sol the third baby until about, I don't know, six or, no, it must have been more than that, maybe seven or eight months, and then just went, you know, this is too much of a struggle. I was already two months pregnant, and my breast milk was just... Gone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was so sad. Yeah. But you know, that so it, otherwise we would otherwise gone longer. Yeah, yeah but I yeah. just you know that was it. Yep. So that's one consideration, and then I guess the next one is just coming. You know, one of the real determinants of how well pregnancy is going to go is how healthy you are at the start. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anyone who's listened to any of our other podcasts will know how passionate we are about, in particular, in the the setting of a planned pregnancy, that before you actually get pregnant, we go to the local doc and we get some advice on drugs, alcohol and smoking. We get a plan to reduce body weight and we get optimum management of any pre-existing health issues. Yeah. So if we've got a thyroid issue, we get it spot on before Mm. we get pregnant. Mm. So if you get pregnant again very quickly after one baby, we may have missed an opportunity to come into that second pregnancy in the best nick we
0: can. Yeah. And And I think my problem was that I was a little depleted. So my iron levels were always pretty well monitored mm-hmm. even in my third and fourth pregnancy but what do you think is is that a, a thing like are you
1: i think it's a thing that you could definitely come in depleted although something that could be managed with supplementation yes but yeah absolutely if you had a whole pregnancy and baby stealing your iron and then you're a little bit low and then you breastfeed and maybe mm. you don't have a great iron intake and then you're pregnant again you would be coming off a low base yeah yeah how many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy?
0: When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat.
1: <laughs> yeah, we get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts?
0: Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at.
1: It's taken us literally two years to put it together.
0: Two long, hard years, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given.
0: Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, so you could be pre-pregnant in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home and you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. So we'll have some Q&As and some lives happening in there. So we really get to interact with you.
1: We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietician, anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse,
0: obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from.
1: So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au.
0: See you in the course. Another thing that I had was I had some pelvic pain yep. during my third pregnancy, which during my fourth pregnancy, because I think it was so... Soon after, I remember having to be monitored and treated by the physio pretty regularly and wear the supportive belt, which made me feel like I was trussed up like a chicken. Yeah. But, um, yeah.
1: So, same thing. I, I guess if there was a longer- gap, you would have more of an opportunity to address that, Yeah, more of an opportunity for the physios and the Pilates people and the weight reduction and all the things that help settle musculoskeletal pain down.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. and that when you say weight reduction, if you've gained weight in your first pregnancy and then you're pregnant sort of soon after, yep. I would s- imagine that that's just sort of all adding up.
1: It's kind of cumulative, yeah, yeah and it's a way that women can gain a lot of weight in their childbearing years by gaining some per pregnancy and not taking it off again in between yeah and weight controls a challenge for all of us i 'm not, not pretending for a moment that it's easy, but the key to not winding up very overweight mm. when your last baby is born is dropping some of it off between each pregnancy, yeah, yeah. which
0: is kind of <laughs> tricky to do if you're pregnant again yeah and so Pat so far we've been talking about the problems or the what can happen the physical Aspects to the mum, but is there a problem for the baby if you've got too short a gap between pregnancies?
1: Yeah. So for the babies, it's difficult because the data is a little mixed and definitely deficient. There have been a couple of you know, well-publicised studies that have looked at this. And they've certainly looked at a, a large number of women in the studies, but there uh, there are too many confounding factors. Not
0: confounding? What does confounding mean?
1: Well, confounders are factors that might complicate the results of a study where the th- Thing that you find might be explained by something completely different other than the, the thing you're looking at. So, for example, in the study that the of the Canadian study that looked at, at babies born close together in age, they suggested that the second baby might be more likely to have growth restriction. And it's tempting to conclude that's because the babies are closer together. Mm. But further analysis might show that those women who had their babies closer together, there might have been a higher rate of smokers.
0: Yeah, right. For example. Yeah.
1: And the smoking would more than more than adequately explain the the growth restriction, mm. and it would be p- potential statistical mistake to assume that it was just because the babies were born closer together.
0: Yeah, because there's there's others that show that there's really no link.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first thing, if you if you do a really good study and think you found a link between thing A and outcome B, it has to be repeatable. Yeah. Yeah, so someone else has to be able to do the same thing and find the same result.
0: And of course, we're talking about pregnancies that have resulted in a live, beautiful baby. Mm. But I'm assuming it's different advice that you would give to people who had had miscarriage or maybe a second term baby loss or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think we might have talked about that in the miscarriage podcast. That's very much a matter of being emotionally ready. Yes. Let's talk about first trimester miscarriage for a moment. It's it's pretty fast. Mm. People are resilient. And mm-hmm. if they've got it in their heart to have a baby, it's amazing how quickly they will return their efforts to that. Yeah, yeah. So I, cat- you know, if, if any of my patients have a first trimester miscarriage, I see them in two weeks mm. to make sure that they're part of the majority of women who will soldier on from that incredibly well, mm. and not the smaller group who need immediate psychological or psychiatric mm. support. And when I see those couples at two weeks after a miscarriage, it's amazing how often they tell me that it still hurts, Mm. but it hurts less than it did a week ago. Mm. And they're ready to turn their attention to trying again.
0: Yeah. So Mm. that's that's a totally different sort of example. And, of course, if there's been baby loss at any time, it's sort of the mental, again, the mental readiness for that couple. Yeah,
1: and that's a more complex issue. But if we're talking about a a baby born at term, when do we have the the next one? Mm. Yeah. And honestly, I encourage people not to worry a huge amount Mm. looking for data on that. Even if you look at some of the data that's been gathered on what's the perfect age gap between Mm. your kids for their um, social development and so forth, I think even that has to be taken with a greater salt a lot of the time. Like our youngest two are very close in age. They're terrific friends. They are each other's primary playmate. And it would be different and perhaps not as good if they were further apart.
0: And it is uh, beyond the scope of our podcast in general, but it, it does come down to parenting, doesn't it? The kids take your lead. Yeah. Yeah. That's for future us when we, we do like the parenting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Go to Maggie Dent. She is excellent about all these things. All right. So we've talked about when the gap is too short, but what about if the gap is long? Like, you know, like me in between our second and our third, yep. the gap six years was- you know, am I like it's, is it like I'm birthing my first?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. There's a feeling in obstetrics that it's a risk factor if it's been a long time since your previous baby. And I guess the typical situation is the couple who thought they were done and then five or six years later they go, will have one more, or more commonly, a uh, new relationship. Mm. So we will, for example, in the In the labour ward or the public unit in the morning handover, if someone's labouring away and we're handing over from the night team to the day team, we'll say, this is uh, Mrs Jones having her third baby, but it's been seven years since the last baby. Why is that relevant? Because she might behave a bit more like somebody having their first baby Mm. if there's been a long gap. And that's potentially something that we might just want to know about to monitor how that labour's going over the Mm. rest of the day. I actually think the gap... Itself is not so relevant. It's more just that if it's been six years since someone last had a baby, then by definition they're six years older.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And it's probably more relevant that she's just, it's not so much the gap, it's just she's older than she was. Yeah. So some of the things that we know where age comes into it are more likely to be relevant to the post-gap pregnancy than the pre-gap pregnancy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I don't know. We Have we given any answers? Like we've no, there given, aren't any answers. No, there aren't no. any answers. No. no.
1: So this is one of those situations where I really do say to people, don't worry too much about yeah. that. Have that next baby when you're ready.
0: When you're ready. When you're when your family's ready, when you've discussed it, when you're, you feel like your body's ready, you're mentally ready.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why as obstetricians, if all things are equal and the uh, works out financially and all those sort of things, we like couples to have their babies with enough time yes. to have the family size that they want to have. Yeah. And it's another reason to make a sensible contraceptive choice. Yes. Yeah. So that, for example, if you've got another baby planned in 12 months then that may well alter your contraceptive choice compared to if you've got another baby planned in three years.
0: Mm. And actually, we've done a few podcasts now, haven't we? So there's a contraceptive podcast that we would recommend you go back to listen to. And I'm not sure what number that was. There we go, number 12. What contraception can you take to help protect your fertility? But we've also gone into what contraception to take between your babies. Sure. Yeah, because you know you're trying to protect your fertility as well, if that's what you're choosing to do. And I think another point that we made in this is, you know, your baseline, making sure that you're healthy, really sort of looking at starting that next pregnancy in the best nick. We talk about that a fair bit, the yep. best nick as you that possibly you can. can. Yeah. So if that is it, you're worried about, you know, your vitamin reserves or how how you went after the first pregnancy is to go back to your GP and have those baseline tests, see what your iron stores are like and your thyroid function and, and then bat on. Exactly. (laughs) For everyone who's not Australian, bat on. Oh no, you carry on. The carry on. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And if you feel like it, why don't you hop onto our iTunes podcast and give us a five-star rating? That would be great, wouldn't it, Pat? It would. And maybe a uh, DM or a podcast rating and so we can read it and know what it is that you're liking about the podcast and what you want to hear more of.
1: We love hearing from everyone. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye now. Bye now.